This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Talk of Fame Network is sponsored by GEICO, where just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. And you know what? You probably should have gone 15 minutes ago. Well, I used to work in San Diego, and I covered the Chargers for the Union Tribune, which used to be the uh, San Diego Tribune, but they merged the Union and the Tribune, and uh, linemen there, where the Chargers were and are, always compared to our next guest, Ron Mix. Ron was an all-AFL tackle eight times and an all-AFL guard once, a guy who competed in eight AFL All-Star games, five title games, and was called for only two, two holding penalties in 10 years. No surprise, of course, he's in the Hall of Fame. And I think, Ron, I think you were the second AFL player admitted after uh, Lance Allworth, right? I mean, Lance, I think, was 78, you were 79? I've got to go. I have to call Geico. <laughs> you should have done it 15 minutes also, ago, Ron. Anyway, thanks for being also, here. <laughs> I'm still simmering over those two calls. Those referees, they, sh- they should have been kicked out of the league for those bad calls. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about first. I mean, two holding penalties in 10 years. How does that happen? And do you remember who you held? Uh, no, but I do. Re- I, I mean, I, I remember the two calls. Uh, the, the truth was, this is going to sound holier than thou, but I really did not hold. It wasn't that I was good at holding, and so they didn't detect me. I really didn't hold. I played at a, uh, at a time where it was kind of fortunate in that uh, I was uh, an intense weightlifter at a time when very few football players lifted weights. And so I was really probably one of the strongest guys in football. And I also worked out year-round at a time when most guys would use training camp to get in condition. How can I put it? I was really quite good and didn't have to hold, but also our line coach, Joe Madro of the Chargers, if anybody held, a lineman held, he, he would just give them hell. He said, you lost us 15 yards. You realize you're a lineman. You never touch the ball. You're never going to gain us back those 15 yards. And so he drove it home. They didn't want us to hold. Ron, you were chosen in the first round of the 1960 draft by the world champion Baltimore Colts. You had a chance to play with Unitas, yet you signed with the AFL. Why? Well, the, the, the Colts offered me uh, a one-year contract at $7,500 a year plus a one-year signing or a $1,000 signing bonus. The Chargers, in those days, we didn't have agents. The Chargers offered a two-year guaranteed contract at 24000 a year, uh, plus a $5,000 signing bonus. And I told Carol Rosenblum I'd rather play for the Colts. I said, just give me a one-year contract at $10,000 and a $2,000 signing bonus. So I wanted to get a car. And he said, Ron, that's Johnny Unitas' money. That would, And you know he was telling the truth. He said, that is close to Johnny Unitas' money. That would throw off our entire salary structure. <clears throat> Look. That league's going to fold anyway in a year, so we'll see you next year. <laughs> then, about, that. then about, about three years later, I read in the newspaper, he was interviewed. He said, you know, at the time I was talking to Mix, I didn't know he was Jewish. If I had known that, I would have signed him because we have a big <laughs> Jewish population. <laughs> Your first season, you were a member of the Los Angeles Chargers, and now the team is moving back after all those years in San Diego. How do you feel about that? You know, I'm really sorry to see them go. I really am. The 
I mean, I understand from a, a business standpoint. I don't blame the Spamas family. They lived up to their their lease with in, with San Diego. They got a right to move the team. Most of the fans in San Diego are very upset about it because they feel, you know, we're told all the time we'd be loyal fans, show up whether they win or lose, be loyal, be loyal, and look. And they bail out the first chance they got to make more money. I, I don't really feel that feel that way. Losing the team is really, uh, I think that the city loses something that's intangible, uh, that can't be measured. And that is, it just gives people something to do, something to talk about, get them arrested from their regular lives. It gives uh, kids uh, uh, heroes to try to emulate. And most most professional athletes really are decent people with good set of values. And I think the community is going to be sadder for the loss. Uh, the people who want to see them uh, do, do bad, they're going to be disappointed. They're going to do fine in Los Angeles. I've watched soccer games at the StubHub Center. It's a great little venue to go watch a sporting event. And the Chargers, frankly, they're going to be a better team than the Rams, and they're going to build a bigger fan base, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ron. In fact, I'm, I'm going to be out there in San Diego next month. I'm going to the last mini camp there. I want to make sure I got there to see it because uh, it breaks my heart that they're going north, but I agree with you. I think they're going to do fine up there. Um, We're speaking with Hall of Famer Ron Mix on the Talk of Fame Network and former Charger Ron Mix on the Talk of Fame Network. And you can find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at at talkoffamenet. And, Ron, we've been talking here about guys from the AFL who should be in the Hall of Fame, but they're not. If you had to choose one who's not in the Hall of Fame but should be in the Hall of Fame, who would it be? I think it would be Russ Washington. Uh, but he, he it was a combination AFL and uh, NFL. But Russ Washington, I mean, you know, I candidly, I, uh, I'm the worst person to to ask because I, I don't have an intimate knowledge of all the players. And I think if you had told me a group of players that are not yet in, I think that would work. So I can only answer from my observations of being a Charger fan and watching the Chargers and being an Oakland Raider fan and watching the. Uh, the Oakland Raiders. We had Lance Allworth on here, and I think the guy he mentioned was Hadel. Well, see, there you go. And, and you know, John was a, he's a great leader. He had a certain intangibles that, again, you can't measure just by uh, looking at somebody's overall statistics. I remember his rookie his rookie year, he was a backup quarterback. And um, to show you his leadership qualities, uh, so he got in. We were ahead like about 30 points, and it was a Super hot day, must have been 100 degrees, and we were just all wiped out. And then they send in John to do the last series of plays just to get him a little experience, and he starts throwing the ball, and we're back in the hunt, and we're just totally wiped out. All we wanted to do was run a few plays, run the clock out. I said, John, just run the plays. He said, shut up, Mix. I'm the quarterback. Now, here's what was important about that. I was captain of the team. He told the captain of the team to shut up, but I did because he was right. The quarterback runs the runs the thing, but he as a rookie, he he took over and he he was a great leader. Uh, he always came through for the team. I second that with uh, uh, with Lance. Ron, nineteen of the twenty two players selected the NFL's All Decade team are enshrined in Canton. Yet only nine of the twenty two from the AFL's All Time team are enshrined. Was there that much of a disparity between the two leagues in the sixties? No, there really wasn't. There was um, initially there was a disparity between. Here's what happened: 
Uh, remember what I told you about Carol Rosenblum? Yeah. That's, uh, that he felt the league was the fail. That's how the owners felt for like the first four years, all the NFL owners. The result was that the AFL <clears throat> signed about 75% of the top college players the first four years and divided them up among eight teams. The NFL was dividing up the remaining 25% among 14 teams. The AFL had the finest young talent in football. They absolutely did, the finest young talent in football. Then, finally, the, the NFL saw that that league was not going to fail, and they started getting competitive, and the nice thing was salaries took a, a big leap. But all the, the, the main difference was really that the first few years, the, uh, um, the Green Bay Packers, when they started playing, they were just a superior team to, to anybody. When they won the first two years, everybody thought of the Super Bowls, everybody thought that proved just how superior the NFL was. It didn't. It proved how superior Green Bay was. And then the third year, the New York Jets won. The media wouldn't give us that. I was just so thrilled that they won, they won the Super Bowl. But the media said, biggest upset of all time, blah, blah, blah. Then the fourth year, Kansas City Chiefs obliterated Minnesota and shut them up. Hey, Ron, thanks so much for your time. Really enjoyed it. And uh, best of luck with that MLS team coming to San Diego. I love watching them. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, uh, <laughs> you know, here, but here's the thing. I'm going to close with this. San Diego's going to get an NFL team. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's going to happen. And, um, I mean, I, I don't know when, but it's just, it's just logical that it's going to happen. Yeah. Ron, thanks again. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks, Ron. That was Hall of Famer Ron Mix. Up next, it's Dr. Data. This is the Talk of Fame Network. This is Paul Warfield, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network.